We talk about women from mythology and folklore all around the world. We're your hosts. I'm Zoe. And I'm Lizzie. So, Zoe, who did you research this week? All right. Today, we researched two ladies. And by we, I mean me. Um, (laughs) So, we are going to be talking about uh, Freydis Eriksdottir and Guthrith Thorbjarnardottir. Oh, fun. uh, The two women from the Greenlander sagas. Amazing. So Freydis and Guthrith are the two main female characters from two Icelandic family sagas, um, which are the Greenlander saga and the saga of Eric the Red. Um, And they kind of serve as foils for each other, contrast with each other. We'll get into that. So, I'm super excited. Yeah, I'm also very excited. So this is I like love Norse sagas. Yeah, so this is a br- bit of like a the first episode in a little series. I'll be talking about various women from different sagas that I think are really fun and cool, um, and some of them might have multiple women depending on how big the roles are or how many women there are. But I think it'll be fun. Sounds great. I'm a big fan of saga women. So yeah. so basically, a brief note on the sagas of Icelanders. This is very confusing. But they are not to be confused with Icelandic sagas. So, okay. sagas of Icelanders are only one genre of Icelandic sagas, which are just sagas collected by people in Iceland. So, sagas of Icelanders are um, generally referred to as family sagas. Um, and they're prose narratives mainly based on historical events that took place mainly in Iceland in the 9th, 10th, and early 11th centuries, which are known as the Saga Age. So they're focused specifically on genealogical and family history of specific early settlers of Iceland and the struggle and conflict that emerged in those early years of settlers. So they're, like, based off of real people? Yeah. Um, Okay. And they were later recorded in the 13th and 14th centuries, mainly by anonymous monks in monasteries. And this coincides with the conversion of Iceland to Christianity. So there's a rise in literacy in order to read the Bible and also in literate monks in established monasteries who can write stuff down. However, it's largely believed that most of these stories are recorded from earlier oral traditions. It's a bit debated, but, like, I think it's generally accepted that these are from oral tradition. Or, like, the people who disagree are, like, disrespect indigenous people, so we don't like them. Um, Oh, okay. (laughs) They're like, oral oral stories couldn't be this complex and interesting. It's like, yeah, they could be. Ah. Um, Yeah. Also, they're widely regarded to be the best genre, but anyways. um. (laughs) So, the events in both of the sagas discussed today are largely considered to be based on true events. However, they both contain elements of the fantastical, and they differ very wildly in certain areas, so... And also, aspects have been been manipulated in order to further certain agendas, such as qualities of leadership or Christianity over paganism. So, um, overall, it's uncertain how much is truth and how much is fabricated by the saga writers. It's basically like... um, not to be that person, but it is like War and Peace. Um, <laughs> in that, uh, Lizzie knows I'm really, I really love War and Peace. <laughs> um, in that, a lot of it is based on um, real life events. Um, a lot of them are based on real life characters, um, but 
the events that artists like a lot of the individual things may be dramatized in order to and like fictionalized in order to establish certain ideas and certain agendas basically makes sense Mm -hmm. so the first story we're going to talk about is called the Groenlandinger saga or the greenlander saga yeah so basically it's a saga about viking exploration of north america particularly an area referred to as vinland or wineland in english um so the location is disputed but it's generally accepted to be laos or meadows in northern newfoundland canada fun fact Hmm. The saga was likely composed in the 13th century, but it was preserved in the 14th century, if that makes sense. Okay. So it describes the colonization of Eric the Red and his followers of Greenland, and then several expeditions led by Eric's children um, and a few other people um, to Vinland and that colonization of that area. Um, and in particular, a man named Thorfinn Karlsefni, who is not related to Eric, but also stuff you'll hear more about that in a second (laughs) and it's basically a commentary on leadership and what qualities make a good leader so we're gonna skip ahead a bit to Guthrith um she appears for the first time during the second voyage to Vinland which is Leif Erikson's voyage so Eric the Red's son um and yes so he is the best leader in the saga and he is traveling back from Vinland. His ship is loaded with wood and grapes, quote-unquote. They might not have been real grapes, but anyway. Um, <laughs> um, Figurative grapes? No, like, they, they were definitely a fruit. It's just unsure if they were grapes or, like, gooseberries or something. This is the sort of thing that, like, medieval scholars, like, debate over. Is, like, were these really grapes or were they some other berry? Or, like, um, were the grapes in the form of wine and, like... Stuff like that, okay. you know. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> it's not really important. I just think it's fun. Um, so anyway, Leif is traveling back. His ship is loaded with loot. He's had a successful voyage. Um, he's got lots of goods. And he spies a group of Norsemen shipwrecked on a scary in the ocean, which is like a little tiny ship, and stops to rescue them. Uh, and among those is Wuthrith, her father, and her husband, who is a merchant named Thorir. And so he saves them and takes them back to Greenland with the rest of his family. Um, And after that, he's called Leif the Lucky, by the way. Um, That's fun. Yeah. So that winter... Do you know that is an Icelander? No. Oh, okay. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, That winter, illness spreads amongst Greenland settlers, supposedly due partially to the Norsemen, because of the Norsemen from the Scary, and Thorir dies. So, Grusrith... Then marries Thorstein Eriksson, who is another son of Eric the Red. So, they're married. She has unto her second husband. And in the meantime, Leif and Thorstein's brother, Thormald, has gone on a trip to Vinland. And he's an okay leader, but he ends up starting trouble with the natives of the area and ends up being killed by them. Hmm. So his body's left in Vinland as per his final request, but Thorstein wants to retrieve Thormald's body. And so Guthrith goes along with him. But Thorstein is a terrible leader, and they sail around in fog and bad weather for a while until they finally end up in Greenland again. After, like, a few How months How old sea. is Guthrith? They don't really say. She's probably, like, 20. I don't know. Okay. She's not that Just old. curious. Yeah. Okay. Like, so then, um... 
they get shipwrecked and they end up spending the winter with a pagan man. And this is a bit confusing, so let me know if you need me to stop. The guy's also name is Thorstein. It's Thorstein the oh. Black. His name is Thorstein okay. the Black, which probably means that he had black hair. Um, and his wife, uh, Grimhild. And they're pagans. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so while they're staying them for the winter, um, illness strikes again. And Thorstein Eriksson and Grimhild both die. So Guthrith widowed Wait, again. Not not Thorstein the Black, but the other Thorstein. No. So basically, Thorstein oh, the Black and Guthrith both lose their spouses. So Guthrith is widowed again, and Grimhild both dies. Okay. So here's the fun part. While their bodies are laid out for funeral preparations, they both start to come back to life. Like they sit mm. up. It's very spooky. Well, that's... Yeah, that's spooky. Mm-hmm. And basically, Thorstein has a message for Guthrith. And he says that she will marry again to an Icelander. And that her children will be celebrated and blessed. And then he, like, lies back down and is dead. Well, that's kind of nice and yeah. terrifying. And also, I think there's a bit where, like, um, they try to carry Greenhield's body and it's, like, super heavy or something. But I can't remember. Anyway. The bodies, it's like weird. There's some supernatural stuff going on. That's nice. So she's got her prophecy now. And she travels back to the main farm on Greenland and meets a merchant named Thorfinn Carl Stephanie. So Carl Stephanie is a nickname. It's not his last name. As you've noticed, there's no son. And it means the makings of a man. Oh. And nice. so she eventually marries him um, with permission from Leif. So after their marriage, she encourages Thorfinn to go on an expedition to Vinland and then goes along with him. So they go and they settle in Vinland. And they're, like, plan to live there permanently and they're successful at first. And, like, Vinland's, like, really nice. Like, compared to, like, compare, like, Canada to Greenland in, like, weather-wise. Like, Greenland's yeah. super cold. It's rocky. It's really hard to farm. And, like, Vinland is, like, the days and nights are even um you can farm there pretty well it's got fruits and stuff like it's great but i can imagine yeah so they're like really happy not having been to either place yeah yeah i mean it's probably like not too different from like new england weather where i have been (laughs) yes so one day um she's in their house and her husband and the other men are outside and they're trading with the natives and so this woman enters the house and she's like really weird looking how she's got like red hair and really big eyes was red hair considered weird i guess so um i mean okay. it's just, i guess it was just like it was notable anyway okay. so she asks so the woman comes in uninvited and she asks guthrith what is your name and guthrith Ooh. is like guthrith and then she says to the woman what is your name and the woman answers guthrith Ooh. And then at that moment, the men stop trading, and they start attacking each other, and the woman disappears. Spooky. But she didn't look like the first Guthrie. No. Yeah, so about this woman. We may as well go into it now. So, she is believed by scholars to be a fetch, which is a spirit that takes the form of an exact double of a living person and regarded as an omen of death. However... Oh, like a doppelganger. Yeah, exactly, like a doppelganger. However, um, obviously there's some limits to that, as in the spirit is clearly not an exact double of Guthrie and does not foretell her imminent death, so it's unclear what she was actually meant to represent. 
Um, my belief is that she's just some creepy omen that like things are about to go sour for the natives between the natives and the Greenlanders. So well, she's cool, but yeah, it's a very fun bit. It's very creepy, like the woman going like Guthrith, and I'm like, ooh, very fun. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so they manage to fight off the native attack, and they stay for the rest of the winter. And during that winter, Guthrith gives birth to her son Schnorri, who is the first European child born in the New World. According to the saga. Um, and so that's, like, a big deal. And in the spring, they mm. return to Greenland. And now we turn to Freydis, Eric's daughter. So she's the okay. fourth child of Eric the Red and his only daughter. And so all her brothers have made their journeys to Vinland, or they've tried to, in the case of Thorstein. Um, and so she decides she wants to go as well. And so she gets permission from her brother Leif to rent his houses there that he's built. And so she enlists the help of two brothers named Helgi and Finboi and promises to share the profits 50-50. And so they both agree to bring only 30 men aboard each ship individually so no one has an advantage over the other. But Freydi sneaks five men on separately in secret. Okay. So they sail to Vinland. And Helgi and Finboi land before Freydis' ship does. And they start to move into Leif's house. Um, and then she lands and finds out. She gets really angry and orders them to move out of their things and build their own longhouse. Which, like, semi-understandable. Like, she's paying rent. So, like... It's her brother's. It's her brother's house. Like, yeah. So, throughout the winter, there's various small disputes between the parties. It's not great. They don't have a friendly relationship. So, eventually, one morning, Freydis wakes up, wakes up early to speak to the brothers. But Finn Boy is the only one awake, so she just speaks with him. And he says he dislikes the tension between their parties and hopes to resolve them. And so, Freydis agrees. She offers a trade. She says she wants to leave Vinland, um, and so they should give her their ship since it's larger and it would be better for transporting men and goods. And so that's like a big ask. Um, ships, ships were a big deal. Yeah, ships are a big deal, you know. Um, and so, like, uh, and, like, it's your way out of here. So, like, it's a big thing to ask someone that. But to her surprise, she did not expect this. Finboy agrees. So for, they make their deal, and Freydis returns to her sleeping husband, who's also named Thormald. Uh, not her brother, different guy. Um, but her cold, wet feet awaken him. So he's awake, um, and she tells him a different version of the events. Basically, she tells him that she asked Helgi and Finboi for the ship, but they refused and hit her. Wow. And so since she's been disrespected... Since she, that's a good question, isn't it? Since she's been disrespected, she demands that her husband take revenge on the men, or else she will divorce him. So basically, in Iceland, like, and I'll talk more about this you have nothing like it's it's hard to farm it's hard to have land the land that you do have kind of sucks so all you have is your honor that makes sense so basically everything that happens in icelandic sagas to some extent is about preserving your honor um so she's basically like and since she's like been dishonored you know it's the husband's job to like restore her honor and restore his honor to an extent and so she, like, basically bullies him into taking revenge on the man or else she divorces him, which is allowed. And it just is, like, shameful and annoying. And he doesn't want that. So wow. he relents for pressure and gathers all their men to attack while Helgi and Finboi's men are sleeping. 
And so they attack them and tie them up. And then Freydis makes her husband and his men kill all the men. All of Helgi and Finboe's men. Okay. And so... Can't really imagine why, but... Then they stop and there are only five women left. And the men are like, we're not going to kill these women. So you know what Freydis says? Oh, no. What did she say? She says, hand me an axe. (gasps) Wow. (laughs) I mean, she's cool, but also, what's she doing? And then she kills the five women herself. She's pretty badass. Yeah. If so, a little misguided. Yeah. So then they they return home and make sure that all the men are well compensated so they won't tell anyone what happened. Because this is, like, obviously a big thing. Yeah. Eventually, Leaf finds out that, like, he kind of tortures some people's casual. Um, anyway. Um, <laughs> and he's, like, upset. But he doesn't punish Freydis. But he predicts that their descendants will not get on well in this world. In a quote. So, like, okay. why does Freydis do this? Honestly, there's not really motivation for it. She just kind of does it. Um, like, we can talk more in, like, analysis of, like, why they would have done this. Um, but I kind of want to talk about the second story before. Like, okay. So, back to Guthrie's real quick. Um, Thorfinn, Carl Stephanie, makes good profit trading goods from Vinland, and he and Guthrie settle in Iceland. Eventually, he dies, and Guthrith is widowed for a third time. So she converts to Christianity, goes on a pilgrimage to Rome, and while she's away, Snorri builds a church, um, which fulfills the prophecy that her children are going to be blessed. And when she returns, she lives in the church as a nun and a hermit, and her descendants, um, it goes down, like, the list of her descendants, and they're, like, all bishops. Oh. And that's the end of her story. Well, it's kind of nice. Yeah. Her family's blessed forever. Mm-hmm. And again, like, another thing that's really important in Icelandic sagas is family. Mm-hmm. So, um, first of all, um, Leif saying that Freydis' descendants will not get on well in this world is a big deal. Like, to say that because your descendants are kind of, like, all you have to keep your name on. Um, like, also, if you think about, like, at this point, um, they are pagans, so they are believing in the stories of, like, hell and Valhalla. And, mm-hmm. I mean, they're kind of assuming they're going to go to hell. Half of them are called Thor, so. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, they're all, that's just it. They're all called Thor. It's it's really ridiculous. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and so um, she, uh, yeah, so they kind of all believe they're going to hell at this point. So, like, they don't really have anything to look forward to. They just kind of hope their descendants, like, are honorable and, like, are honorable to them. And so, like, family honor is, like, a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so if your family is not honorable, like, you could lose a huge sort of source of honor. And again, like, honor is everything. And so on the flip side, like, Guthrie's um, descendants becoming, like, super holy, like a bishop and um, her herself becoming, like, a nun and, like, going to Rome and everything is, like, big. And, like, definitely, like, her becoming, like, blessed and again, if you remember that these sagas are being written, like, after the conversion of Christianity and probably written by Christians. Yeah. There's that influence sense. there. But I can see that foil thing going on there. Yeah, for sure. So, the next story is called, is Eric's, the saga of Eric the Red, or Eric's Saga Rautha. 
It's about the same voyages. Um, it's believed to have been written a little bit later than um, the first saga, the Greenlander saga. Um, and it's preserved in two different manuscripts, which are, um, they kind of differ. I think I'm saying the one in the, there's the Hex book and the Skalholtz book. So it describes Eric the Red's banishment from Iceland, his founding of Greenland, his son Leif Erikson's preaching of Christianity, and accidental discovery of Vinland, as well as several subsequent voyages to Vinland. But we're not really here to talk about that. We're here to talk about the woman. So this saga introduces, starts with a different woman that we're going to talk about. And I'm going to talk about more about her later, for sure, in different episodes. And so her name is Oith the Deep-Minded. It's nice. It's a nice nickname. Yeah, which means she's really smart, basically. So, in general, she's a very important matriarch and a founding settler of Iceland. So she's featured in multiple different sagas and mentioned and also, like, referenced in many sagas. Um, but her story is told in the first chapter of Eric the Red's saga. Basically, she's the daughter of a Norwegian military leader who has traveled to Ireland and she, when she travels to Ireland, she marries Olaf the White, who is the self-named King of Dublin. So she lives there with him and bore him a son named Thorstein the Red. I love all the, like, the names. Yeah. It's really fun. <laughs> yeah. And then eventually Olaf is killed in battle. And since it's no longer safe for her in Ireland, she took, takes her son and travels to the Hebrides. I'm sure, like, outside of Scotland. And there, Thorstein the Red becomes a great king who rules more than half of Scotland. But eventually, he also dies, so Alf sails to Iceland and claims ownership to a great deal of land there and becomes, like, one of the first prominent settlers, like, basically one of the founding families of Iceland. So she brings with her her Christian faith and her British slave named Vifil, who is Guthrith's grandfather. Dun-dun-dun! Yeah. connected. Yeah, so, yeah, she's also, like, so she's believed to be, like, the first person who brought Christianity to Iceland. Um, and, yeah, so she All brought right. Guthrith's grandfather. So, flash forward to the future. Guthrith, we get to know more about her life before she meets Leif. So, she's the daughter of a man named Thorbjorn, who is the son of a former slave, Vifil. Cool Except name. that, um, in some places it says that her Thorbjorn, name, maybe. yeah, his name is Thorgir, which is different. I don't really know I think it just depends on the saga. Either way, Gusrith, it's her. And he's the son of a former slave. And so due to his insecurities about his status, he refuses to let Gusrith marry the son of another former slave named Einar. And he's also having some financial issues, and eventually he move, He has to move, and they decide to move to Greenland, and they want to find Eric the Red and his family. Okay. So they stay with a man named Thorket, who is a pagan. So basically, there's no shipwreck in this story. They, they go to Greenland of their own accord. Okay. So one day, um, it's in um, the middle of a famine um, in Greenland, which like feels like it would be like all the time in Greenland, but I guess it was especially I would, bad. I would think so. Yeah. But, um, so anyway, a prophetess named Thorbjörg comes one day, and she's dressed very elegantly, and she wants to deliver some prophecies um, at the request of Thorket, the guy that they're staying with. She's a priestess of Freya, fun fact. Ooh. Um, so she's doing some rituals, um, and eventually she needs some help from someone who knows Wared songs or Ward songs. And she needs a woman for the ritual. So Guthrith 
ends up volunteering. She's learned some of the songs from her foster mother in Iceland, and also she's the only woman in the house who knows the songs. So originally she's reluctant because she's Christian, but she's convinced when they tell her she's helping the people present and therefore not betraying her faith. So by okay. compromising her Christian faith at the request of her pagan hosts, she's rewarded for her open-mindedness by a positive prophecy by uh, the prophetess Thorbjörg. Basically, she says that Greenland's famine will not last, she will remarry and move to Iceland, and her offspring will have bright futures. And after this, she and Thorbjörn set sail and end up running into Eric the Red, who gives them land and buildings. So, so they're kind of also... Why does he do that? I think he just, like, likes them. <laughs> okay. I, I can't... I'm All sorry, right. I can't remember. Um, no, that's fine. I and then later... Curious. Yeah. He's just, like, nice... I mean, he's trying. To, he's trying to make the settlement on Greenland work. Like he's really trying to make it work. Um, uh, good on him. Okay. Yeah. So, Guthrith eventually marries Eriksson Thorstein after his voyage to Vinland, which is successful. So that's different. Um, yes. So, um, yeah. So this time, Thorstein is her first husband, not her second husband. Um, and they move onto his land, which he shares with another guy named Thorstein. And the guy's wife, Sigrid. There's been, like, four Thorsteins in this yeah, tale. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, again, D- disease sweeps across Greenland, and Thorstein Eriksson and Sigrid both die. But after they're dead, when their bodies are laid out for funerary preparations, Thorstein speaks to Guthrith. But this time, he says something different. He asks, Ooh. instead of giving her a prophecy, which he already has... He asks her to bury his body in the churchyard and to give all their possessions to the church. Huh. Well, so, that's nothing behind that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Basically, all of Eric the Red Saga is just, like, not subtle Christian propaganda. Like, literally all of it. <laughs> it's great. Um, <laughs> anyway, so after that, Guthrie moves in with her father, Eric the Red, who is still alive at this point in this saga. And the other saga, I think he's dead at this point, so. Oh. Anyway. Later, two ships of 40 Icelandic men arrive in Greenland, and Eric welcomes them. So on that ship is a man named Thorfinn Karlsefni. And he helps... Ah. Yes. He helps Eric prepare the Yule Feast, or the Yule Feast, and then asks for Guthrie's hand in marriage, and Eric accepts. And after that, the newlyweds set out with three ships to settle the new world. And then while they're there... Again, Guthrie gives birth to a baby, Schnorri Karl Sethnason, the first European baby born in America. He has a great name. Yeah. Schnorri, by the way, means troublemaker, which I love. Um, (laughs) That's great. Yeah. Anyway, so now what about Freydis? So she is the daughter of Eric the Red again, and she came along with Guthrie and Thorfinn to explore Vinland. And also in the story, she's the illegitimate daughter of Eric the Red. And she's also pregnant at the time. Okay. So the settlement of the New World is rough. There's conflicts between Christian and pagan settlers and with natives, which are not depicted well in this story. I mean, they're not really depicted well in Greenland, the Greenlander saga either, but they're like extra not depicted well in this story. Um, And so they're able to trade successfully with them for a bit, but suddenly relationships sour and the Vikings attacked are routed easily. So they're running away. But... Freydi saves the day. Ooh. While they're running from the natives, while she's pregnant, she turns around. She stops. She exposes her breasts, and she slaps her sword against it, 
while yelling. What is she saying? She's just, just like she's just screaming. Like I hollering. think she's a queen. <laughs> I think she's a queen. And the sight of this freaks the natives out so much that they all run away and the Vikings are <laughs> able to escape and leave Vinland. So oh, Freydis saves the day, doesn't murder anyone in this saga. And that's what well, she does. Good for her. And then, yeah. So back to Guthrith. She returns to Iceland with Thorfinn, meets the in-laws, and uh, Thorfinn's mother-in-law actually objects to the marriage at first because uh, she doesn't have any dowry. She's been married before, and she's the granddaughter of a slave. But eventually Guthrith wins her over. And then, again, the end of the saga falls her descendants' lives, sees how Guthrith becomes, like, a nun, and she's the great-grandmother of three bishops, and that's, again, the end. So, hmm. those are our two stories. They're great. Yeah. So, again, very similar, but also very different. Yeah, Guthrie's story is generally yeah. quite true. Each version is similar. Mm-hmm. But Freydis yeah, different. it's totally different. So, the comparisons, um, so they're, both of them, Guthrith and Freydis have power, but they choose to do different things with it. So, Guthrith tends to let, give up the power that she has to the men in her life. So, she lets Leif decide whether or not she should marry Thorfinn, um, even though he's willing to let her choose herself. And then again, that happens in, um, Eric the Red saga, except instead it's Eric the Red who she lets decide who she's gonna if she's gonna marry so it's like her decision to let him decide yeah so that common or yeah it actually happens a good deal in um uh icelandic sagas sagas of icelanders um and basically it wasn't necessarily like you have to go through a man or your father no yeah so like they're basically like oh you decide and she's like oh but like i want to i want to do whatever you want and they're like well i think you should marry him and she's like okay and that's sort of how it goes. And that's what <laughs> okay. happens a lot, honestly. Um, meanwhile, Freydis holds on to her power and wields it over men, husbands, Helgi, Finbohi, and leads to the tragedies. So the deaths of all Helgi and Finbohi's men and the woman. And she even commits sins that men would never dream to commit, which is killing defenseless women. So the mm. message seems to be that a woman... Well, you could seems- say that she was, like, more equal to them. That's true. But in the end... Like, I mean, it's you know, still bad, but, like, they're yeah. on a more of an equal standing ground, so kind of makes yeah. a little more sense. Yeah, so, like, the question is, like, is this positive or is this negative? Like, are we seeing, like, Freydis' power as a positive thing or a negative thing compared to, like, I want to say that <laughs> the way that she uses it, probably negative. Yeah. Like, she does kill innocent people. Yeah. I mean, there are, like, characters in, like, Viking, like, in Sagas of Icelanders that really do, like, kill innocent people and, like, a lot of people, but they are, like, and, like, do have, like, some good aspects, but they are just, like, kind of, like, eh. They're generally, it's generally, like, showing, like, them starting to go down a bad path, so. Uh. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, there are, like, are plenty of, like, large characters that like do kill a ton of people and are still seen as good but a lot of the time it's like in battle or like for vengeance or whatever and stuff and, like, like in an honorable like yeah type so, of and this is different it's just like totally unnecessary and she just does it like she just completely lies about the situation and it's just really weird and like a narrative like a character way i think it's like pretty cool but like realistically <laughs> yeah. quite a bad thing to do yeah um 
And then like the I love only... the hand me the axe thing. Yes. That oh, that, that's just really fun. <laughs> um and I'd really I'd been like obviously it's bad, but it is like kind of like a girl boss moment that they're like I can't I can't kill a woman and she's like hand me an axe, I'll do it. <laughs> like what a queen. <laughs> what a queen. Um and then like Leaf probably doesn't punish Fades because he needs that family honor. Um yeah. so like if she he were to outlaw her then, like, he would just lose so much honor. Like, outlawing is, like, the big punishment where basically anyone can kill you without, like, any punishment or having to, like, pay any compensation. Wow. Yeah. Um. So then, though, she totally changes up in Eric the Red Saga. Like, in Very the saga, different. she doesn't kill people. She saves the day. And she's pregnant. And she just does it by, like stripping a little yeah like she just you could you could probably argue it's like using her womanly you know power or whatever to like uh-huh. you know yeah like she definitely saves the day in a specifically like womanly way like yeah something that no another person or like a man couldn't do yeah in. but also i feel like it was you know scaring the people because it was like so unexpected yeah like if a man did that it would be weird but it wouldn't be like and they'd be like, That's okay, deal, I think. yeah. You're like, hey, what are you doing? And they'd be like, wow, anyway. these women are crazy. Like, we can't fight these Vikings. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if somebody did that, you'd be like, well, what the hell is happening now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, basically she d- displays, like, really feminine pregnant strength by, like, slapping her breast with a sword and screaming. Um, I love that she had a sword. Good for her. Yeah. And... Um, her pregnancy is probably a connection to Guthrie's, like, sort of pregnant holiness. Like, one of the big things about Guthrie that makes her, like, you know, the good female, like, character is that she is the mother. She gives birth to the first European child in mm-hmm. the New World. You know, yeah. As the story says. Um, and so, I like, it's possible that like the saga writer by making her pregnant in the story is trying to show that connection yeah makes sense yeah so like it's very blessed and like mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah. a lot of the saga does seem like eric the red saga does seem to be trying to like put the eric the red's family in the best light possible like for example thorstein's voyage goes better than the last one um, Eric the Red is the one that discovers Vinland in this one, whereas, um, in the other saga, it's this other guy who, like, named Bjarni Herjolfsson, who, like, just isn't really important. <laughs> he just, like, sees it when he's looking for Greenland and just gets, like, really lost. Um, mm. and then, um, yeah, so, like, it's just really trying to, like, I think, in a way, trying to, you know, put Eric the Red's family in a better light. And that includes, um, you know, redeeming Fadies and, like, her act of murder. And she was, like, a real person, right? I mean, probably. We don't know anything about her. I don't think we know much about her. I mean, definitely not, like, compared to Leif Erikson, which most people have heard of, at least. He was on Spongebob. Or, like, he was mentioned on Spongebob. Yeah, he was mentioned on Spongebob. Yeah, he's, like, what, like, the two Vikings that, like, anyone can probably name are Eric the Red and Leif Erikson. Which, like, mm-hmm. literally until last year, I didn't realize we're related. But, like, it makes total sense. <laughs> like, Erickson. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, so 
One of the big concerns of Vikings when converting to Christianity was that they were being told their ancestors were in hell for not believing. So like I said, family is super and ancestors are super important to Icelanders because it's like all they have. So they're being and like they really like to honor their family. So they're being told basically that they're since their family members, their ancestors weren't Christian, they're in hell and there's nothing they can do about it. Like L- hell with two L's, by the way. Um, <laughs> OK, <laughs> like hell with one L, they'd be like, whatever. But hell with two L's like, um, yeah. So um, basically, um, there's a way like a lot of the ways that um, in Icelandic sagas, you can like see methods of baptizing and retrospect um which is basically giving pagan ancestors christian qualities in order to redeem them in the afterlife mm, yeah, so um a lot of the ways they do that is like you know saving freddy's as a character and a person by like eliminating the whole murder thing um <laughs> and like in um, another saga which i mentioned before a saga um they like whenever they're born they always like he sprinkled them with water even though, like, they were all pagans, like, it sort of implies baptism. Yeah. Which, like, even though that wouldn't, like, have been the case at that point. And Leif's ancestors were particularly invested in, or, like, Leif's descendants were particularly invested in Christianity. Because Leif was the one recruited by the Norwegian king, Olaf Tryggvason, to convert Greenland to Christianity. So they definitely had, like, that stake in showing that their ancestors were, like, perfect, you know, Christians. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Makes sense with the whole family honor thing. Mm-hmm. And then one more point is the role of Auth the deep minded. Love so, to hear about her. Yeah, so the description of her story is an example of a literary device found in sagas called a preparatory ancestor. And basically, this is used to highlight key traits of importance in future characters, making them a kind of prototype for the main protagonist of the saga. Mm. So Guthrie parallels Oith the Deep-Minded as her spiritual successor in multiple ways. So she's the matriarch um, of her family. The men in her life die, but she continues to command. So like Oith's husband dies and then her son dies, but she continues to move on to Iceland and found. And then, for example, Guthrie, her husbands keep dying, but she keeps going on. Um, and they both become religious and are credited with bringing Christianity. Um, well, so Oith is credited with bringing Christianity to Iceland, and then Guthrith is credited with spreading Christianity in a way because all her descendants yeah. become bishops. So um, in that way, the story of Oith the Deep-Minded is in the saga to prepare the way for Guthrith and demonstrate how she continues like the, the work of Oith the Deep-Minded as like, a powerful Viking woman. Well, I'd love, love to hear more about her in a future episode. <laughs> Definitely. We'll tell you more about her in a future episode. So, but yeah. Great. That is the Greenlander saga and the saga of Eric the Red. As a whole, they're not the most interesting sagas, but they're definitely good starter sagas. And we can get into the more bloody ones later. Love a good saga. A good mm-hmm. epic. A good really epic. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. So, yeah. Thank you for uh, today's episode. It was super interesting to learn about. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to talk more about it. And I'm glad you enjoyed it. So yeah, thank you for listening. And uh, if you would like to, please subscribe, listen to our other episodes, and leave a review. Uh, yeah, see you next week. See ya. Middle Ladies Podcast is produced by Elizabeth LaCroix and Zoe Kettinger. 
Today's episode was researched and presented by Zoe Kenninger. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at MythoLadies, and visit us on our website at MythoLadies.com. Our cover art is by Helena Cayo. Our music was written and performed by Icarus Tyree. Thanks for listening. See you next week.